So there it was. In Colorado Springs, Colorado, at a prayer retreat for pastors and church workers and volunteer leaders. And as I was gathered there, the focus of the group setting was to teach spiritual disciplines and um, how to pray and how to pray for extended periods of time. There were 30-minute sections in our schedule for these prayer times, these quiet prayer times to be alone with God somewhere out in nature. And on one particular afternoon, there was an hour prayer session just before a break that would later lead into dinner. And so I made plans for that one. I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hike up into the foothills at the base of Pikes Peak, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm going to find a place, a quiet place, and pray. I remember Jesus doing this often during his earthly public ministry, that he would go away by himself and find a quiet place to pray, oftentimes up in mountainous areas. And so that's what I did. So I hiked up into the foothills for about an hour. I found this, this rocky outcropping that had a plateau, and I positioned myself there for what would be an hour's worth of prayer. And before I got kind of settled into my prayer posture, I, I looked at the grandeur of, of this mountain scene, and I saw Pike's Peak in the distance. And my heart and mind kind of cried out to God, and I'd say, I said a prayer like this, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. I, I'm overwhelmed by your, your majesty and your power. You've created all these things for us to, to observe and to enjoy and to take care of. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your power. And thank you for using that power to bless me. Amen. And as I turned from that mountainous, majestic scene, I turned back to the valley. And I noticed the city of Colorado Springs down there, and the structures were different. The scene, not as beautiful, not as majestic and wonderful as the mountains behind me. Instead, I saw housing subdivisions and roads, highways. I saw buildings and structures, all man-made. And then I thought to, about the people that were there, the people who lived there. And I didn't know many of them, but I imagined their problems, maybe the pain they experienced, certainly the pollution they were causing when compared to the scene behind me. And as I thought about them, I found myself turning back to the mountain because the mountain's much more beautiful, much more scenic, much more majestic, easier to meditate on this than that. And then this wave of conviction washed over me and as it's if God was turning my head and my body and also my heart back to that valley and back to the people there. I learned a powerful lesson that late autumn afternoon about prayer and about God. I believe that God cares for people, cares for all people. And I believe also that God cares about his people caring for other people and especially praying for them. So with my head and my heart and my attention focused on the people of Colorado Springs, I prayed for them and for the church and for us as God's people. You know, it's interesting. This past week I've been watching a lot of news on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I've kind of got wrapped up, not in the majesty of it or the goodness of it, but in the awfulness of it, the atrocity of it, and the injustice of it all. And I found myself wanting to know the motives, wanting to know the plan, and wanting also to know more about the response. 
What are we or others going to do about this to help these people who are afraid for their lives? Some have lost their lives, some have been injured, and many are still fleeing for safety. I also wondered how long this is going on. And as I watch the news alerts and also the, the news cycle from, from one broadcaster to another, from one station to another, I found myself forgetting to pray for these people. And so I had to intentionally pause and pray for those folks. I'd like to do that now, if that would be all right with you. Would you please join your hearts with mine in a word of prayer? Lord God, Heavenly Father, please have mercy on those who are suffering and fleeing or feel unsafe. Please comfort those who've lost loved ones and please heal and help those who have become injured. Lord, we also ask that you would bring those who are responsible for this invasion to justice and repentance according to your good and gracious will for all of your people. We pray for peace, for safety, and security for those in Ukraine and for those traveling. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. The prayer retreat that I experienced at Pike's Peak at least in the foothills of Pikes Peak, of course, brought to mind our scene from this morning's gospel reading from Luke chapter 9. Jesus goes on a prayer retreat with Peter, James, and John, often incorporating these three disciples of the 12 and showing them special things and sharing special messages with them. And he's doing that in this instance. He goes up onto this mountain, this, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, could have been Mount Tabor. Uh, he goes up on this mountain to pray with them. And as the, the afternoon progresses into evening, the disciples are becoming tired. And it seems like they fall asleep. Just then, Jesus' face transfigures. It transforms. And his clothing becomes dazzling white and bright. It's as if the glory of God is emanating from our Lord. And it, it awakens the disciples. And, and it's Peter there kind of getting a sense of this scene and wondering what this is all about. And in his amazement and perhaps confusion, he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm going to build a tent for you, but not only for you, but also for Moses and Elijah, who've appeared also with the Lord on this mountain place. And Jesus doesn't respond to Peter in that moment. Instead, that cloud settles upon all of them blocks their view of Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and we hear the audible voice of the Heavenly Father affirming the identity of his Son, his chosen one, whom he loves. And then that command to Peter, James, and John to listen to Jesus. The cloud lifts. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus appears as himself, and they don't talk about it to anyone until later on. Have you ever gotten caught up in a spectacular scene, a majestic moment, a time when you didn't really have the words to describe what you were viewing because you were so overwhelmed by its beauty and radiance? You didn't know what to say. You didn't know what to do. Married men at this time, you should be turning to your wives and looking to her eyes and saying, all the time, preacher, all the time. <laughs> but sometimes in the moment, we don't fully understand. Sometimes in that moment, we're not understanding if this is a miracle or not, not understanding if it's the Lord's doing or something else, and we're not sure what to do or what to say. Thanks be to God that Jesus was gracious with his disciples 
on that Mount of Transfiguration and that he's still gracious to us for our times of misunderstanding, for our times of confusion, or for our short-sighted ways. Thanks be to God that God shows us his grace even while he is also trying to show us who he is as an all-powerful God, an all-loving God, a God who does significant things to show and to demonstrate his love for us. Friends, may I share three truths from today's monumental mountain moment. Number one, like Jesus revealing his glory with the three disciples, God gives us more than we could ever ask for or imagine. He's a good God and he's gracious and he's willing to share grand things with us even when we don't ask for it or deserve it because of who he is. Number two, during his earthly public ministry among the people, Jesus continually reveals to his followers and to us his true identity as the Son of God through miraculous signs and majestic moments like his transfiguration. And number three, the presence of Moses and Elijah on the mountain is obviously significant here. If Moses represents the law of God's word and Elijah represents the prophecy of God's word, then Jesus is there communicating to us that he is the fulfillment of the law and prophets in order to be our savior. What does this mean for you and me here this morning? Allow me to share three points of application. First is this, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. If I said God is good, you would say? And all the time, a very good mantra for us to remember, not just during the miraculous moments, but when life is less than miraculous. Number two, our confidence is in Christ because of who he is, because of what he's done in the past and what he promises to do for us and for our families in the future. And number three, God's word informs us and inspires us, which is why God's word is important. Children, it's why Parents gave Bibles to their kids this morning. It's why we read and study God's word as God's people. It's why we share it every weekend during worship. It's why we meditate it upon it and reflect upon it in our lives. God's word is not just a guide for this life, but it's also the ultimate guide to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Because there would be another mountain not so grand, not so glorious, not so majestic in appearance. In fact, it was just outside of Jerusalem, outside those city gates. It was called Calvary. Others at the time called it Golgotha, the place of the skull, because of what happened on that particular mountain. Because it would be there that Jesus would give his life for you and for me on the cross. He would take upon himself the pain and punishment and penalty for our sin that we deserved. Christ took our place and God made that ultimate sacrifice of his son to forgive our sins and to give us a place in eternity with him. That's the goodness of God. That's the grace of God. That's the grandeur of God on display, but in a powerfully different way. We wouldn't say it's majestic. We wouldn't say it's beautiful, but we would say it's good. In fact, we call it Good Friday because on Good Friday, Something great happened for us as God's people. Christ took our place and gave us the gift of forgiveness and also the promise of heaven one day. And friends, it's those blessings that we are privileged to share with others in our life. 
So when you get overwhelmed either with your life or you get overwhelmed by the monumental mess that we've made of this life or you see on the news what's happening overseas and that invasion and you see the tragic loss of life, remember that God is still good. He's still on his throne. He's still in control and he wants you to pray to him and empowered by his Holy Spirit, he wants you to reach out and share God's love and his truth with others in meaningful ways. And all God's people said, Amen.